right, here we are. Here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back. Science in between. Science in between. This is Scott. And this is Ollie. And yeah, we are we are back. Back in the saddle for another new episode. Look at us. Woo! Woo! Uh, and we we one hundred percent will not be talking about dispositions no. even once this whole episode. But see, there you you go and mention it. No, no. I didn't. I didn't. We're not talking about it. I'm just saying we're not right. talking about it. And we're back in. We there was no mediation required no. Um, for us to be able to get back nope. to you know seeing each other and talking. When, like... Once I filed the restraining order, there was no need for us to have any additional. <laughs> I I wept uh, a few nights <laughs> to sleep, but you know I'm better now. You know, some a little bit of therapy goes a long way. You know. There you go. It's friendship. <laughs> that is a 20 year friendship right there. Woo. No, knowing how to kick a guy when he's down. That's what we learned. <laughs> All right. So uh, okay. what are we, if we're not talking about the, the, the big D word, <laughs> the D word, <laughs> the D word, what are we talking about? My oh, friend, my God. that reminds me of shrinking with D man and <laughs> yes. D man's going to be a B man. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, anyway, that's um, aside. Okay, so what we thought we'd try and talk about um, this week is is a thing that sort of has been around for a while and in some respects underlies or is um, connected sort of. with the, the NGSS and the changes in science teaching practice that have happened over the last 20 years, and that is the nature of science um, literature. So this this is a complicated interwoven field. Um, Part of the reason that this was brought up uh, for me is I uh, I'm on on a committee for a student who defended today, actually did a great job. And so shout out to Ashwin Mohan and Uh, um, officially a doctor now, officially a doctor. And uh, yeah. And uh, Ash, uh, Ash is, dissertation is all about how um, communities of practice in higher ed form uh, an understanding of the nature of science for for um, for people who are essentially entering that research community and what that does in all sorts of interesting ways. And he has a really, I mean, he's a smart guy, really interesting thesis about this. But, but fundamentally, what we're interested in is this nature of science came out of science studies in the 80s when... Um, Latour and and Katina did um, ethnographic work. They went in and looked at what do what do scientists actually do? Not not the scientific method, yeah. But go in and look at them and see what they do. And from that, developed a whole field um, called science studies, and that that was foundational in making in changing some of our thinking about how we should teach science. So thought maybe it'd be worth talking a little bit about that today. Yeah, and that field has changed a lot. I mean, it like yeah. when I when I first started my doctoral work, I know that was like that was like like pretty much a central part of all of the the conversations that were happening in science education. It's it hasn't it, uh, it doesn't take up the all the air in the room anymore. Like I just remember no. like when I would go to NARST, I don't know, like 10, 15 years ago, like like so much of the conversation was NOS NOS related, right? It was all yeah. like 
Um, and there's lots of big work that was happening. And, and then just like anything that happens in this, in the, in these fields is that, so we talk about the thing and then there's some sort of survey or some sort of instrument, right. Mm -hmm. That gets developed or other multiple instruments in that, in this case, multiples, right. Yeah. Yeah. So multiple instruments get created to be able to assess people's uh, knowledge of the nature of science and, and I, I think if if someone's out there who's not a, a you know not a science educator and not a teacher educator in, of science teachers, they probably are like, "What do you mean by nature of science? What does that even mean?" Yeah. Like, yeah, and and you're saying it's like what scientists do, but it also I think is really a, the understanding of what science does and doesn't do. Like that we don't prove things. That yeah. you know it's that uh we're everything that we're going to do is like you know, tentative in nature and mm-hmm. that we approach things uh, from the perspective that, you know, we're trying to come up with explanations, but that are testable, mm-hmm. right? It's that testable explanations and that um, the difference between theories versus well, laws. Hold on. Now you're just uh, listing them. So this, I'm, no, I'm just, like trying to capture it. No, but, to... I, be, but before we do that, I mean, I think, I think it's worth saying like, so the nature of science, the reason it got that moniker is that it was attempting to characterize how the it you know we we use the word epistemology a lot, but right. what what is the knowledge work of science? What is what constitutes science as a field of knowledge, um, and how is it um, practiced? And and so I think you know that. And they, like you say, that spilled out into a bunch of different things, including instruments where people tried to articulate a set of statements that captured in the same way that the scientific method attempted to do this, tried to capture what science is as a practice or as a discipline and what it, what its knowledge um, approach is to the world. So I think what you were starting to talk about were some of the things that got named right. um, specifically within one instrument, um, but that cuts across multiples and and. Yeah with variation appears in different places. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to like, you know, characterize it in a way that isn't so like I used that term last week about inside baseball, mm-hmm. um, you know, like somebody who comes at this, this episode and goes, yeah, like what's the nature of science. And, and this is like the, like, yes, yeah, that's absolutely epistemologically how we create knowledge in, in our field, in, in science. Um but it also has all of these tendrils that comes out of it that like, you know, like I, I was talking about the laws and theories thing. I think, you know, uh, scientists view that very differently than the everyday person. Mm-hmm. And this is like kind of inherent in, in the, the nature of science. And, and I think that what, what, uh, what happens is that's like always one of the ways, I don't know, it's one of the ways I fundamentally see a difference in terms of people's understanding of science if they can say oh well you know oh, that's just a theory then i go okay this person really doesn't understand how science works mm. you know and, and it's not like criticism it's just like you know it's more of a like when something becomes a theory that is pretty big stuff in science right, right? yeah you know oh god it's just a the, the like if they really do like it wouldn't be a theory it'd be a right. law it's like no it wouldn't you know right. yeah. and and so it's more from that standpoint. So like I'm, I'm I'm trying to be really mindful of the fact that like yeah we can nerd out about this from a science standpoint, but we also have to be really really intentional that like what does this look like for the everyday person? Like the everyday person probably doesn't recognize that the the laws are descriptive in nature. They're just saying hey this is this is what we've we, we've see some relationship 
right? This is a pattern we found a in pattern nature. we find in nature. This is a pattern we find in nature that you know when this increases, this decreases, or when this increases, this actually exponentially increases, or something mm-hmm. like that. Just like yep. simple things that are observational that like got you know developed because people just made observations and then threw maybe a constant in there because they were able to say, Hey, look, you know, there's this constant that keeps reappearing and that's magic. And like, you know, Planck's constant or whatever, you know, constant you want to throw in there. Um, Those are, those are great. They're awesome, but they're also contextual and they're also just descriptive, just relational. You they're know? not causal. They don't. They're give not. You, they don't tell you why things happen. They only nope. tell you that things happen yeah. in a patterned way, and that, that's super useful, as you said. Like it's useful to know that if you push on something harder, it's going to not only speed up faster, it's going to speed up speeding up faster. Right. Um, so um, those All are, the ideal gas laws are really freaking important, right? Yeah. They're like yeah. awesome, you know. Important in the sense that they're useful, right? I mean, I think sure. that's the, yeah, they're they, but they don't help you actually understand how gases work. They just no. are a description of well, if you make the container smaller and you don't change what's inside the container, well, the pressure is going to go up, and so that's that just happens. There's no yeah. explanation mechanically, physically, what's going on there. It's just a thing that we've observed, right? So yeah, laws and theories are not um, the same thing, and they are. There are big differences between those things. And and assuming that the goal of science is to make everything into laws is just misunderstanding what science is about. Right. Yeah. And I think that so when when someone says it's just a theory, like people have in order to create a theory in science, it's got to be explanatory. It's got to explain like like the, the why something happens. Right. Mm-hmm. And and how it happens and be predictive in nature. And that be supported by evidence and supported by lots of evidence. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, the theory, uh, you know, whatever theory, pick a theory, whatever theory. Yeah. That's something that has evolution. Evolution's the big one that people go to. Ah, it's just a theory, you know, there's a lot of evidence to support that. And it's been confirmed, you know, multiple times through history, you know, and, and I think that, recognizing that our difference in those terms colloquially and our use of those terms in, in science is, is very different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, we don't have to parse all these differences, but you know, the nature of science gets mixed in with the scientific method and inquiry and um, explanation and phenomenon driven, you know, science, right? Like all, all these things on some level are about, what what is science, and then how do we decide which of those things um, help guide the way that we teach science? Because the one thing that a big thing that came out of the explicit characterization of NOS this this idea that you're talking about, where there was the VNOS, this instrument that measured right. your knowledge of of nature of science, is along with that became uh, came along with uh, the idea that these things should be taught explicitly. So you should teach kids that science knowledge is tentative. And of course, well, what does it mean to explicitly teach? And now we're back to where we always are on this show, which is, well, what's the difference between telling somebody something and somebody actually understanding something? So what does it mean to know that science knowledge is tentative? Well, you can't just put that on the board and and say, okay, well, now you know. Now you know when when there's going to be a pandemic, what it means when the first thing that we come out with isn't 100% right. 
right? Because you can remember that knowledge is tentative and you can apply it to this situation and say, oh, well, it must be the case that this is an example of science knowledge being tentative and I'm and I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to let the science play out as it is. Well, of course, that doesn't work at all, right? So there, there's this idea of, you know, as <clears throat> confusing confusing a complex social practice with a short definition of something um, is is always a problem that we have in education. And it's a it's a fallback of our field. Well, lots of fields. Right. Which is like, OK, we if we make this list of the characteristics that make up the nature of science, now we have it captured and we can explain it to people and it, and do that unambiguously across contexts, you know, in a generalizable way. And of course, that's just not the way human knowledge works. It's it's much more complicated than that. And um, and so these characterizations of this become just like just like the scientific method, a hammer that you hammer nails with, but they don't do great when you start hammering screws. I I have to make a an admission here. Oh, an admission. Uh, an admission. Good. It's like therapy. I'll, t- I'll turn it is. my therapy light. Yeah. So what? the first time I heard Venus, mm. I thought it was a person. I thought there was, oh, a and I was like, fair. "Oh, who's this Venus person? Who's this Venus? I'd, I'd like to read some of their papers. Venus. Right, they sound fascinating, and it's it's the the views of nature of yeah. science Sorry, I questionnaire. No, no, yeah. no. It's because like everyone just kept referring to it, as, referring to it all like in that acronym, Venus, Venus, and I'm like, oh. This is Venus. I like yeah. I'm like looking through my citations for a, a an author. Venus doesn't exist. No, a, it turns it's, out it's an instrument. It's a questionnaire that was developed by I mean primarily by uh, Norm Lederman, right? And yeah. So yeah, Norm Lederman and uh, Fouad right. Abdelkalik, and a whole there's a whole um, group of folks that have worked on on NOS and Venus over the years. Their their particular characterization of it. Um, and yeah, it is. It's a uh, you know, there's all these variations. There's the Venus A, B, and C, and they're they do it across contexts. It's it's uh, but yeah, it's an instrument um, with a with a list of aspects that they articulated, right? Um, and it in some ways it's it's got aspects of of the um, the scientific method in there, but it is um, more. That's the right word. It's less about practice and more about sort of philosophy of science than it is about the practice of science. It's not, you know, so it it mixes those things in interesting ways. But um, but, you know, again, it is still ultimately a list of things that are then meant to characterize this very complex social practice. So we've got science as a social practice and that's messy and complicated and contextual. And then we make a list of things that we're going to try and measure that thing with. and, you know, well, one of the big arguments continuing to this day is the degree to which that is a good measure of this thing and whether it captures what the nature of science actually is. Because there's whole there's whole other groups of people who do not agree with that this characterization. And um, some of them have their own instruments and some of them are in more in the camp of making instruments is not the way that you find out about this stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I I'm, I always you know, I, I wonder, like, so NOS and like it is capturing people's like understanding, right? It's a like it's a or at least this instrument is so capturing people's understanding of of the nature of science. Well, wait, hold on. Or, say we say what you mean by that. Well, I mean, 
it, the, the questionnaire is asking them questions about mm-hmm. the science. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, some of the questions are things like, is there a difference between a scientific theory and scientific law? That's a question that's on the questionnaire, at least on mm-hmm. the, the first one that was out in 2002. It's probably sure. changed and, you know, maybe. Well, right, like I said, there's ABC, there's at least ABC, maybe DEF. I don't even know how many right. versions there are. There, you know, yeah. uh, the, another question. After scientists have developed a scientific theory, does the theory ever change? It explain and give an example. So that is really, it's an, it's, it's assessing, right? It's assessing mm-hmm. somebody's knowledge. And it's a, it's a, it's, I mean, they call it a questionnaire, but it, it's an assessment of, of, of people's knowledge, understanding of, of a, an aspect of nature of science that these folks, you know, yeah. and it's one care. They, they have developed a, a one characterization of it and, and, and associated with that, a bunch of questions that they have seen over time consistently and reliably people answer them in, in the same ways. Right. Which yeah, is so, like, so these are the big areas, empirical nature of science, uh, scientific knowledge, inference and theoretical entities in science, nature of science theories, uh, science theories versus laws, creativity, subjectivity, and social and cultural influences. And I won't dig into the sub things, but no. those are the big things that they seek to address in this. And I wonder, like, so like, you, you know, there are some some constructs in, you know, education that are like things that are like, you you won't even say the words, right? You won't even yeah. like, like, and like, how does this escape that? Because this is very like, you know, it's a, it's a topography, right? It's our typology. It is. Mm-hmm. And that's really where you bristle. Like when it's, when it gets to that level of grain size and that sort of like system, systematization, if that's mm-hmm. a word, yeah. you know, For sure. and, and, and that's usually when you, you bristle, when you take this thing that's really complicated and really complex and like cut it up into like, Hey, we could take this questionnaire and measure it. Like, yeah. and I know we don't want to, I'll say it, you know, PCK, TPAC, all of that stuff are things that people's knowledge, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, content knowledge, you know, pedagogical knowledge, all that, like, and then we capture it with a questionnaire, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, Right. I don't like this. I don't think it's useful. I don't think it's productive. Um, I d- but I also think the main difference for me is that as much as these folks have tried to make the nature of science only their definition, it isn't. Whereas PCK right. has not as PCK has never escaped into there's no sort of alternative vision based on Lee Shulman's work. I know (laughs) based on Lee Shulman's original work, which like if you read his original piece is really powerful and thoughtful. I mean, it was really, he was really trying to make the argument that there is a difference between how scientists, for example, know science and how people who teach science know, know science. And while the, while those things are different, one is not more important than the other especially if you're trying to develop somebody who's going to be a teacher, they need to understand it differently. And I think that is a powerful notion. Um, what it got turned into in the same way it did with, with Venus here is a list of things. And yeah. once it's a list of things, for me, it becomes of no use, not of no use, but of relatively limited use and certainly not very useful if you just give it as an instrument to, to measure. Because one, one of the reasons I poked at you when you said it's a measurement of their understanding, I'm not sure it actually is. Um, I mean, one of, the, one of the pieces of strong evidence for me about this is when you give scientists these things, their scores on the nature of science are, 
are pretty bad actually. And that's an, that's an indicator that this is not necessarily a great measure of the thing that we're trying to measure, which is what is science as a practice. Now I understand that scientists, because they do this thing, and we talk about this all the time, they are the fish swimming in the water. They don't necessarily understand the kind of practices they're engaged in. So that's another complication for why they might not look at this list and say, yes, 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 or whatever, understand that these are important things. That said, if, if the purpose of all this is to help prepare people to enter science in a way that is epistemologically authentic, it's not doing a great job. Yeah. And I think that's why with the next generation science standards, they, they moved away because like the, the earlier version, the national science, you know, education standards, Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. NSES. Yeah. National yeah. Science Education Center. Yep. So, which is the, um, w- was much more explicit on teaching this. Yes. Right. They were like, we're going to teach this as a content. Yeah. And what we're going to take explicitly. Yeah. Right. Like, we're going to have units. We're going to have this is a, an accessible content that we're going to put in the schools. And the next, this, the next generation science standards are saying, you know what? We're going to try to put this into practices, and that's where the three D te- teaching comes in, right? Because yeah. the three D teaching is really an effort to kind of delistify it, right? If that could be yeah. a word, like, and, and I mean, it's still a list, but yeah, still a list. I, I right. hear your point, right? Yeah. They're they're delistifying it from a content to teach, but practices to embody, or practices to, right. or ways of teaching that can not just like you know, hey, let's memorize this list of of things. You know, but instead, hey, how do we actually do this so that students can see this as a practice in the, in, in, in the classroom? Yeah, in fairness, that was one of the big fights about it when it when NGSS was developed, because the, the, the VNOS folks in the NOS community were not happy at all that nature science sort of got put in an appendix and wasn't explicitly included in the in the main body of the standards. I mean, they see it as something that needs to be explicitly taught. And I think going back to one of the other things we talk a lot about is is taught in a, it can it can be or could be taught in a decontextualized way, which is to say, not learning about how science is tentative by practicing science and talking about the tentative nature of the things that that were that we're investigating, but instead being told like, oh, science is tentative. And here's what that means. It means that blah, 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 right. and write that in your notebook. And then we'll have a test on the nature of science later, or we'll give you the VNOS before and after to see whether you learned about the nature of science. Um, and that but, sort of abstraction like, doesn't make sense to me. Well, this was the, one of the big, you know, measures that like, you know, all like a lot of NSF grants have this, you know, educational hmm. component right well and, in the same way they do with the pck when they have right. teacher education involved in exactly they, they're like okay we're just going to do a a pre and post venos yep. call it a day there we have some you know they learn impact. Some they yeah learn they learn right and this is how we you know are able to to show impact of the work that we did and if we can show some sort of measurable impact on some part of of nature of science then voila we've done something important to the kids but whether mm-hmm. that's you know, has any long-term impact or not, or whether they can um, translate that decontextualized stuff and put it into practice or even recognize it in like every day, you know, hey, when I've, I've encountered science, you know, 
we keep coming back to the pandemic, but that was like a, a lot of signs happening yeah. in a really short amount of time, yeah. you know, and then recognizing, hey, hold on. If they really knew, they wouldn't have changed this from yesterday. No, 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 no. They they, they have better ideas, yeah. you know. Yeah, That's I mean, why it, they're changing it. Right. It comes down to do they meaningfully understand it or do they know yes. the definition? Right. And I think those are di- big differences. And and this argument of this articulated list that you learn um, as a list of things that characterize the nature of science um, assumes that that decontextualized list means understanding. And I mean, I don't even want to say I don't think it does. I think there's plenty of evidence that that doesn't work. And we have that evidence in all sorts of areas. Um, and we have for decades, right? But but we have ground into us this idea that the knowing of the thing is the same as the understanding or being able to do the thing. And those are not the same thing. Right. So so, uh, so I, maybe this is more philosophical than – is there a list? That, like is there a list that you go, yeah, I'm okay with that list? Like there, like I, because I'm getting this, I, I'm getting the feeling that as long as long as it, be, as soon as it becomes a list, that what, whatever it's describing, and I don't want to use the the D word or the standards yeah. or anything, but it, I, I, I feel like you know that when it gets to that point, that you, 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 you bristle, you know, yeah. philosophically at it. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of the reason I do is because, um, you know, I'm swimming upstream on this, right? Like everything is about making lists. And then once the list is made, then it makes that thing the thing. And then once that thing's a thing, now we can measure it using the list. And and that is true in all places and all contexts. Um, I mean, I'm not opposed to lists. I'm not even necessarily opposed to this list that I mean, I'm a little opposed to the level of detail that they get into here because I think that is a bit mind-numbing. Um, but I, I think the point is that the way that you get to an understanding of these things that are about practice, whether they're whether they're the practices of science, the practices of teaching, the practices of being a human being, like the the way that you get to those is by doing them and hopefully doing them with people that can help you think through them as they're happening and question and push and 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 listen and and do all the things that you and I know are good teaching while that's happening. But like communities decide these things and they get decided at all different levels, right? And at all like the way that you work you know, my nuclear family of my myself and my wife and my two daughters, like we have ways of interacting with each other. And those ways of interacting shift when we go to my in-laws house or to my parents' house or to other people's house. Right. And that's the nature of of, you know, human society is that you renegotiate behaviors when you move from one place to another. And I think a lot of this stuff is true too. I mean, one of of these things as well, right? So this is one of the things that the dissertation today was about is Ashwin was studying uh, uh, two groups at Penn State, two research groups, one that was in geosciences and one that was in doing um, gravity wave physics and trying looking at how those two groups manifest some of these attributes. What does it mean for those groups to think about knowledge being tentative or whatever. And and not surprisingly, they look quite different in those two places. And thinking of them as the same is where we start to get ourselves into trouble. Yeah, that's cool. Like uh I'm I'm certain he didn't give these questionnaire this questionnaire to them. Hundred percent no. No. And uh, so uh, interviews looking at like what was the data he brought to uh to bear on his 
Yeah. So interviews, he sat in on research groups. He went to um, talks and things that were part of the research group. So it was ethnographic work um, comparing these two groups. But um, but because he was trying to understand culture and he was trying to understand, you know, he was he was he recognized that research groups have culture and that that culture is both. Um, the result of and contributing to the larger culture of science. So that, and in a constant dynamic interactive way, right? So what, what counts as cutting edge gravitational physics um, is being constructed in those groups while he essentially, while he's watching. And, and so, but, but it helps you understand that these things are, are not simple. And when we make them sound simple, um, is when we cause problems. Because again, if we go back to the COVID thing, like really understanding the nature of what it means for knowledge to be tentative can help you think through something as complex as COVID. If you think that um, science, the science knowledge is tentative is some kind of rule, then you just apply it and it either applies or it doesn't. There's no nuance there and you can't think through any of it. You can't say, oh, well, what about this seems like it? it is like the kind of way I think science should go and what parts of it are not. And how do I think about that? But if you've got a list and a set of rules and you've memorized it that way, and you think it is the big T truth about what science is, then you just apply it like a, like a, like a rule, which it's not. Well, and I I think that's, you know, how I landed on uh, when I was naming the last episode, Um, I came back to the, that uh, quote, of um, what was the who who we were talking about last week? We were uh, discussing uh, the article from yeah Ken Zeichner. Ken Zeichner. Why? Well, I just had a yeah, you know a brain hiccup right there. Yeah. But he he in the quote I thought was really meaningful was the some portion of the truth. Yeah. Right. And and these lists that's what they do. Right. They provide some you know portion of it some way of looking at it but when it gets described as the truth like mm-hmm. this is the way like and i'm sure the venos people would go or the the nos people would look at this and say look at the research and say well we've done that that's on our list like no, there's a part of our that says there's social and cultural influences that's one of mm-hmm. the the aspects of of the nature of science and that you know science is a culture in itself done we we've covered that basis right. you know but understanding what that is in actually in in a culture in a group in a research group and what that looks like and how complex that is that's not cap- captured by the list it's no. not captured and it can't be by any list no. so this you know going back to your question about why do i bristle about lists this is why i bristle right you know it, again it's I mean, there's so many things in our culture that push us this way. It's understandable why it happens. But, you know, like if you look at what makes things popular on the Internet, like seven ways to lose belly fat, you know, uh, 10 ways to, um, you know, reduce cognitive decline in old age. You're you're starting to hear like, well, my uh, my this now it's therapy for me. I'm telling you about my, <laughs> I know. my oh, issues. Yeah. You're right. All <laughs> but, the things you know, that are coming up on your Instagram right. feed, right? Like, all, well, there's <laughs> another one all, about yeah, I'm interested in that. <laughs> right. They but know. It's, but they it's know, always Scott. It's, it's always a listicle of some kind or another. <laughs> sure. Like here are the five, you know, here are the three things. It's always odd numbers, right? It has to be sure. odd, unless it's ten. Ten is a big one too, but 
anyway, but yeah, I mean, we're obsessed with this idea that if we can characterize something as a list of characteristics, then we then we know what that thing is, and all you need to know is the characteristics, and you understand the thing, and and it just isn't that way, yeah. right? You know, it's like if we made a list of characteristics of our spouse, and then said, okay, well, now you understand. Now you understand my wife. Yeah. Yeah, Now now you understand how awesome they are. Right. right? It's like, like, yeah. Yeah. Brown hair, grew up in New York. Like, okay, I can make a list of those things. And yet none of them really capture anything useful on some level about who they are as a human being and how they interact with the world. So, I mean, it's similar to me in, in that this idea of like making a list of a complicated thing that you, and, and the other thing, like we gotta, gotta say this too, right? Like this list has a POV, right? This list was made by a group of people. And as a result, there are equity issues with this list, right? This list would look different if it were a different group of people. And there's all sorts of ways that those people could be different. But either way, that that different list is meaningful, right? If we had a group of indigenous folks who were trying to characterize science and understanding nature, you'd have a very different list than the list we have here. And they and it, you you could still say legitimately that that is a characterization of the nature of science. So, you know, it's it's troubling from that point of view too because it has a power dimension that I think is important, right? Like this is the list, and now we're going to assess every kid on this list because yeah. this is the list, right? And well, it also become, becomes an industry, right? I mean, like, and this, Ooh, amen, brother. And and you know these folks are are known for this work and sure. whenever you know yeah I mean well it's, I mean in academia the coin of the realm is citations and publications right yep. and so when you do a, a clearly articulated list like this and you associate with an instrument well you've guaranteed yourself a lot of citations and a lot of publications that are going to cite you and a lot of publications that you can write because you can go take this instrument and you do it with you know, seventh grade kids, and then you do it with 12th grade kids, and then you do it with right. science majors, and then you do right. it with science faculty. And, 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 and you do it in different contexts. Okay, let's right. do, you know, rural kids. Let's do inner city right. kids. Let's do, that's like, oh, come on. So we're going to make this decontextualized instrument so that supposedly further. speaks to everybody. <laughs> and then we just, the way we test it is take it to lots of contexts. It's just right. a bananas way to think about it as far as I'm concerned. But, but I mean, yeah, it's but it's true. Like it, it then becomes its own thing, right? And then, and then the problem with it is then um, people feel an obligation to defend it, and yeah. that's that's where I think, especially in science, it it's uh, you know, and we can decide that's a whole topic for another day whether educational research is science or not. But mm, but if yeah. we if we view ourselves as an empirical scientific um, you know endeavor. Well, we should not we should not be attached to our theories. The whole point of this is to develop theories that get better over time. And if we develop a theory and then get get emotionally attached to it and don't want other people to change it because this is the we finally found the correct answer, yeah. then that that's that, even more toxic. It doesn't sound like it's really embracing the nature of science. It, no, it's like one might say. One might say, yeah. you know. Yeah. So okay, so this was a I've thrown this out as a as a an episode uh several times. 
and we haven't really stuck to like coming up with a, a list, but this is the, you know, it, it's it, one of the podcasts I listen to. They always say, is this good for, and it's like the, the episode, I mean, the uh, podcast is code switch. I think that's the mm-hmm. one. Yeah. And, and they go, is this, is this good for people of color? Right. That's yeah. what that's the, and so is this good is the nature of science? Is this, this field of research, is it good for science education? Well, again, I want to be careful because the nature of science Right. Uh, I I don't want to cede that to the Venus and that oh, one okay. characterization. So when I when I say nature of science, I mean a much broader field. You're saying that. the, the epistemol like it capturing the epistemological aspects of of the field. And pr- the yeah, the, and the practice. And the, right, the knowledge and pra- the the knowledge tools and practices of science as a field. Yeah. Right. So does is this good or bad? I mean, I think you know, again, it's like, well, it, the list in and of itself isn't bad. It it can ha- right. it can be useful, um, turning it into an instrument and then using it to determine whether people do or do not have these attributes. And then, let's be fair, as a second step, treating them then in a deficit way, right? These people yeah. lack an understanding of X, Y, and Z. Like that, I find super troubling and not awesome. Yeah. So, so. Um, the the big the big idea or concept or construct of nature of science good for science education yeah you know decontextualizing I think that we'd probably land there with a lot of things I was gonna right? say basically if it's a list <laughs> if it's a list uh, you know if it's an instrument as soon as we make it the well, instrument yeah. yeah right as soon as it becomes an instrument that the, and this is like you know this is one of those ongoing mm. themes of the show i think mm. we talked about like you know iq like early on or yeah. you know that's just like you know over and over again every time it becomes and we have i, I don't know is if it's just a feel like the field you know not just science education and teacher education but just like like lots of human work right yeah. we, we gravitate to like Okay, the list is a way that we can understand, you know, make the complex simple and that we find comfort in having a list, especially like an odd number list or if it's 10, it makes it magic, Um, you know, and somehow reduce that to some sort of number that can be like then we can perform some sort of like statistical analysis on it so that we can say, hey, here's a degree of significance and voila, you know, we We have something valid and reliable. We have something valid and reliable as if that type of work is much more meaningful than your 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 student's dissertation today, which capture, captured some rich, thick description of the the culture of these two research groups. Mm-hmm. You know, from my point of view, that is really interesting and mm-hmm. and and mind you know opening. Right mm-hmm. to me, that's like oh, that's great. Whereas I, you know, if I uh, well, this had a you know point oh five p, and it's like oh, right, great. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I think I think the challenge has been that, like, psychology, not educational psychology, but psychology as a field, um, has focused on you know basically brain processes and how those manifest in in relatively straightforward ways in human behavior, right? So, what educational psychology I think has tried to do is bridge the gap between that and culture, and and the problem is the culture, human culture, which is what NOS is and what all well, what yeah. VNOS is and all these uh, are attempts to capture culture, little c culture, by making a list of the characteristics of that culture, and culture doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. Um, so, 
it's 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 hard because there there is this sense of like well we want to be we want to be a science and science defines things very carefully and then measures them like that's that's the characteristic that has been taken away from natural sciences and moved into social sciences which is highly articulated and then measuring those things using that very specific articulation and i think there are real problems with that when you're trying to measure something complicated and complex. And we see that in even now in natural sciences with things like systems theories and and um, the randomness that are in more complex phenomenon in in uh, in natural systems. So and humans are even more complicated than that because we have, well, depending on your philosophy, um, free will, right? We have the choice right. <laughs> to circumvent uh, the instrument. We can read this and know what the instrument is about and answer in ways that are disingenuous. And that complicates things, right? Topics I didn't expect us to talk about today, free will. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm certainly, I, I, I'm not enough of a philosopher to even engage in that conversation. But, you know, um, I do think... There is there is this point that like human systems are so much more complicated than natural systems. Like to 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 yeah. say that they're ten x or a hundred x doesn't even really. They're thousands, if not hundreds or millions of times more complicated than most natural systems, and yet we treat them like natural systems. Like, which oh, which we're is going to figure that. I, I think this is your your way of you know you 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 threw this out earlier about you know is is you know educational research scientific research, and I think. You know, you're kind of getting it right there is that, you know, one of the things about if we go back to the list of nature of science, right, is, you know, testability and repeatability, right? Mm -hmm. And and those are, are two real – if that's going to be a litmus test, you know, for educational research being scientific in nature, then I think that, you know, that's a that's a hard standard to meet. You know, in educational research, like if I'm going to take a group of students and do this thing with it and then take another group of students and do this thing with it, there's going to be hugely different results. Or if you do it and I do it, mm -hmm. right, we take even the same classes. You'd go in one day and teach one lesson. I go in the next day, teach a, uh, the same lesson or teach another lesson, you know, there's going to be such differences in terms of, you know, the the. And all of it, right? Because yeah. the contexts are different. Like it's like, oh, one was on Monday, the other one was on Wednesday. One was, you know, I, I, I you know, any teacher who's taught, you know, first period, first thing in the morning, and then mm -hmm. taught another group of students right after lunch, you know, and taught right before Christmas, yeah. and right now teaching like in May, right? They right. know how the ebbs and flows of a school year, the ebbs and flows of a school day and how that impacts student learning. Right. Well, that, even like when you have your first period class, because you have a weird bell schedule, the first period class comes after lunch. Right. And you're like, wait, who are these? Well, yeah. Who are these people? They're different people. Yes, <laughs> they are. They are different yeah, people. Cause it's like, goes back to your, your, Hey, uh, our family goes traveling. Now you have changed, you know, that the social, you know, environment in which you're, you're living, and even though these are the closest people in your lives, you've changed everything about the environment and they're going to act differently. We're going to be different people with each other, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the part that makes it the educational research, you know, really hard to classify as, as scientific research. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's I scientific. Hear, I, we go through scientific processes, no yeah. doubt. 
I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to throw the whole endeavor under the bus quite yet, but I do, I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, what you get is like that these different approaches have different purposes and functions and usefulnesses, right? Like big end studies do tell us things that are useful, but they tell us in the same way sort of like laws do. They tell us big patterns, but not usually much about cause. It's like, well, you know, so here's the thing we know. We know that um, black males are overrepresented in the special education population disproportionately by a large amount. Okay. Well, that's like a law. Like that's in the sense that that's a thing that's happening that we've observed, but there's no explanation associated with right. it. It's just a statement, right, about data that we have. If you want to know why that's happening, you're not going to get that from some giant survey. You have to go in and find out what's happening because what's happening is happening on basically a contextual in a contextual way. That doesn't mean there aren't patterns across context, but it does mean yeah. that the reason that it happens in one place may be very different to right. another place. That's where I was um, going to go. Right. Yeah. And so, um, but the, so that, that understanding that both of those things can be useful, but they're useful for different things. Yeah. And I would say that like the, the people who do this work, like the, the Venus worker or I'll even say the people who write curriculum, Right. Because like people who write big com- curriculum and then do a lot of like big N work to try to get the, you know, hey, here's the impact of the curriculum. They just feel like if we write better curriculum or we write better questions or we just get more people to take it and then that, that we're going to get it right. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and you and I balk at that idea. I mean, you more so than I do. Well, right? because, because the, the notion there is that the right is decontextualized. Right. So because we have lots of numbers that we've got this answer that's true everywhere because we looked at lots of places. Well, what you have is a pattern. Um, but the reason for the pattern probably varies quite a bit across the context that you measured. So that's the thing that is important to me, right? Like identifying the pattern, that's great. It's important because it help it helps us know where to focus our attention and how to investigate. But it doesn't give us much explanatory power, if any. And then turning into a bunch of like factor analyses models, like is this associated with SES and race and all these other things? Like again, for me, that that's just making the pattern a little more fine grained. It still doesn't give it any explanatory power. It doesn't tell us why it's happening. So oh. Yeah. So now we should be joyful. We should be joyful. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a little joy. It's a okay. it's it's a little joy, but it's it's it is good because uh, I have a it, little joy this week too. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have lots of joys, but I have something mm. that's like really like I didn't even know this thing existed, and I'm like going, oh, this is really cool, and I'm it's bringing me great joy. So I'm uh I we have uh, a a group of colleagues that every year annually we do a, a trip together and um so that's it's coming up in a few weeks and and it's always something we've kind of labeled as a conference you know and it's just like a group of like five or six of us get together and have we've traveled different places mostly around the state I think this year we're going to a uh, out of state for the first time but mm-hmm. um but one of the the one of the people who's been helping to organize this created a a, a group Spotify list now, like uh-huh. a playlist. Yeah, yeah. Like I like I know you like I can make playlists and I can share that with you. I can share a playlist with you. I've mm-hmm. known that you know since I've had because like usually when I go to a concert with my you know my family or with other people, I'll make a playlist of the songs. I'm like, hey, here's some of the songs that has uh, been yeah. played at previous things. Sure. But this was it's a collaborative playlist that you and I can both create. 
together mm-hmm. yes. and you can add songs and I can add songs and it keeps growing. And so this song list just keeps growing with all of our favorite songs across all five or six of us that are all run, you know, Spotify together. That's pretty stinking cool. And yeah. it's bringing me great joy. Well, it's bringing me, nice. And it's also, I will say, um, opening my eyes in terms of what other people like in their musical mm, tastes. I bet. Mm. Yeah. You like like you and like yeah, when you have you know, different people that you have in your lives that have very different musical tastes, mm-hmm. you 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 grow. You yes, grow. You grow as a human. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> no, well I know I know about this from the youths. Um mostly actually younger faculty in in the college here who who use that with their classes where they where they the first day of class they set up a shared spotify and they ask students i learned this from my student jd when he, he used to do this um in methods class he would have the students just put in their favorite songs into this list and then the beginning of class he's always just playing songs off that playlist um before he gets started so everybody gets to hear everybody's music and then uh, you could say yeah. oh wait who put the indigo girl song on that list yeah that's <laughs> who, put the, who put the jazz Japanese breakfast song. On I know. The, the, yeah. Japanese yeah. breakfast. There's absolutely Japanese breakfast yeah. song that I added. <laughs> I know. That's why I said that. Yeah. Um, and no I was doubt. the Indigo Girls. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. That's a thing. It All is right. a thing. All right. So my you? joy is even smaller than that, I think. Oh. So, well, I don't know if it's smaller. We, we don't have, it's, it's not. Yeah, we don't have to not, die. No. Yeah, not, Everybody's joy is joyful. Joy. Yeah. It brings you joy. Um, the thing that's been bringing me joy uh, for the last couple of weeks is I'm playing a, a ridiculously stupid game uh, called Marvel Snap. Um, it's it's a card game on it's an iOS card game. It's really stupid. I, I'm fully embracing the stupidness of it. Love it. But, <laughs> but it's like, you know, you got all the Marvel characters and the cards have different powers and you play some random person and you just, you know, it's a card game. It's like magic-y sort of, you know, the game. Sure. Take, four minutes or something. So there, um, one thing I have to say though, is I was looking up, uh, online to see if I could find out like what my, what my record is in terms of wins and losses. And, you know, I was like, I'm pretty good at this game. I win most of the games. I don't really, I'm pretty good. And I looked it up online to see if I could find this. And people are like, well, you could do, if you have an Android phone, you can do all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. But the side conversation that they had is that they th- there was a suspicion, and maybe it's more than a suspicion, that actually a lot of the players that you're playing are AIs, and they you you win because this game is set up so that you mostly win, and so that most people mostly win at this game. So I have yet I don't I don't have any basis for that. I could do mm. a Twitter poll or something where I ask if you're a Marvel Snap uh, you know player, do you feel like you mostly win or mostly lose or somewhere in between? Um, but my sense is that, uh, I think I'm good at Marvel snap, but what it probably is, is the game is designed for me to win. Right. Yeah. Just, and probably lose just enough that you come back because if you're always winning, then it's like, oh, what's the point? But yeah. if you, lo- if you lose here and there and yeah. you feel like you almost could have, yeah. oh, if I would have done this, I could have won yeah. then. Yeah. I'm sure and there's, there's probably a sneaky algorithm to that, that, that uh, figures yeah. out how many losses you've had and make sure like, okay, we got to have him play an AI the next time and let that, right. let him win. And yeah, it's, I don't know, man. So, that, but we're going to talk about that next time. That's not, we are. This time. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, talk we, about Marvel snap. That, that's <laughs> the whole be, episode. Right. <laughs> yeah. Our, our, our listenership is yeah, plummeting. Boy. No one's listening. <laughs> Cratered. 
Right. Well, our listenership of like 12 to 15 year old boys will have just right. skyrocketed. I mean, they'll all want to hear a Marvel Snap episode. So that that I think is the takeaway. If you yeah. are not playing an AI, you're beating up on 12 and 15 year old right. boys. <laughs> well, right. I don't think that's the case. And you're like, it, yeah. Well, I think the other takeaway is <laughs> if you think you're not playing an AI, you're probably wrong. Right. <laughs> but yeah you're you're playing a little 12 year old scott mcdonald someplace yeah. your former self no, 12 year old scott mcdonald would kick my butt uh, just saying yeah we haven't talked about that movie that's a joy like of 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 mine we'll talk about i'll put save okay. that for next yeah, week save a, it, save a movie it. Nope, i saw recently oh, oh, <laughs> all right i'll keep my powder dry yes all right. you will all right. all right and we'll catch you next time in between see you then bye now